In this episode, Becca and myself will talk about leadership, influencing, and seasons. So grab your favorite cup of coffee and join us around the table in the one where we talk about leading from your influence. What is up? Welcome to Coffee and Combos. I'm your host, Becca, and tonight I am joined with none other but my amazingly handsome husband, Josh. What is up? What is up? Beautiful. Man, it is so good to be back. Uh, you know, last week was really fun. Enjoyed it. Uh, it great topic, and uh, I'm excited for, for tonight. Yeah, I think uh, we're still in the middle of COVID-19, quarantine yeah. life. And what's up with that? Where are we at COVID-19? Yeah. Uh, so as of now, we're still in quarantine. Um, so the restrictions haven't been lifted on it. Um, so we're still, you know, in the middle of this. I'm at home every day with Jude, which is challenging, fun. Uh, today he wanted to have his little tantrums uh, throughout the day. And, In his uh, defense, he's teething. He is teething, yes. Becca, as we referred to, I think, in episode one, she is his shield. So she always defends him. There's always something. But he needs to be defended. He does. He is an infant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, life life is good. Ministry is good. Um, you know, even tonight, it was, it was cool. We were... Uh, we were on a Zoom call with our city group leaders and um, just checking in, seeing how they're doing and talking about, you know, how do we lead in the middle of, you know, COVID-19 and this digital season and teaching them how to use Zoom. And it just inspires me as like, man, the church is still going on, you know, and yeah. like we're, we're still plowing forward and kingdom is still being built. And so uh, really, really cool, you know, this season, but I definitely uh, cannot wait to go back out and just I don't even want to use the term like go back to normal because I don't think what we were in before was normal, but I just want to go back to like where, you know, we can hang out with people and I'm ready for a date. Oh, I need me a gosh. date night. We, <laughs> yes, I need a date with my beautiful wife desperately. <laughs> so, so Josh, what are we drinking tonight? It's coffee wise. Um, we are drinking, we tried a new coffee tonight. Um, we do, you know, one try to try different coffees. Um, we try to anyway, every episode. Um, so tonight, um, Publix doesn't really carry craft coffee, which is a shame. And the only store in our city that did carry craft coffee, besides, you know, Symmetry, of course, who's a roaster, which we've mentioned, love Symmetry coffee. I just have not had a chance to make it downtown to see Ted and get me a bag, but I'm planning to be there soon so ted i expect some roasted coffee all right i want to try your best roasted coffee um and we love symmetry coffee definitely continue to support them if you can they are amazing um so tonight though i was at publix and i noticed they had a new coffee it's called wicked joe organic coffees they are um based out of maine and uh, I was a little hesitant because most coffee buying, like just, you know, Publix, wherever, Walmart store shelves is always burned. It's gross. It's basically Folgers. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, I know, kind of snobbish. But 
I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a try. Um, it wasn't super bad priced. And it was like 10 bucks. So I picked it up. This one that I got is an organic fair trade Bella Maria. Um, so it has complex notes of chocolate, berry fruit, and citrus. It's a light medium roast. Um, and they put on here sweet and seductive. Um, so we, we've tried it a couple days now. And it's good. It's really good, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely not symmetry by any means or any stretch of the imagination. But... Um, if you need a good, decent cup of coffee, then, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's decent for sure. Um, it's so hard, you know, like, especially right now, it's really hard to get craft coffee because no one's really delivering. Um, like I said, you know, we just haven't had a chance to make it downtown, but when we do, we try to keep symmetry in our house at all times because it is the best. It's amazing. So, um, but tonight Wicked, Wicked Joe is doing good. I'm drinking, um, basically an iced latte with, um honey in it and so we've been trying to do honey instead of sugar mm-hmm. in our coffee lately and i'm doing honey and then i um frothed some cream and then i um i put a little bit of cinnamon at the top of mine Ooh. Mm-hmm. and mine's made with honey as well it's Yum. really delicious yeah this probably is the i haven't tried it i'm probably gonna try it tomorrow morning if the weather's still a little bit cooler which praise god for that right mm-hmm. last little stretch of cool weather um but I don't think it's the kind of coffee you want to drink black. I'll try it and let you guys know in the next podcast um, <laughs> if it's good. But anyway, um, so we, um, which is, this is really exciting, and I'm praying that this thing is over. We decided, um, because the prices are really good right now, to plan uh, a couple day getaway in June uh, at Disney. And uh, this will be our second time on Disney property, which is really cool. Um, we've only stayed in a Disney. I've only stayed in a Disney resort one other time. Uh, Becca's when she was younger stayed in, like we talked about. She's the Disney rich girl in her <laughs> young days. Um, so we will be staying at Coronado Springs Resort, which is really cool. I'm excited for that. Um, we've already booked some dinner reservations and breakfast reservations at Ohana at the Polynesian, which is like the most sought after dinner reservation on Disney property. So we're really excited to try that finally. And uh, it'll be our little guy's birthday trip. Mm-hmm. Our f- one year. Can't believe ah! it. We're almost at one year. And celebrating it at our favorite place, which yeah. is so cool. So, so cool. Yeah. We booked a couple nights and uh, hopefully we'll be able to enjoy it. We're not even going to go into the parks either. Mm-hmm. We're just literally going to enjoy the resort. Because I'm like... This is the thing that I don't, and I know this isn't a Disney podcast. We said it was going to be, by the way. We changed our minds because we really want to talk on this other subject. But um, Disney will be in the future for sure. But I feel like if I'm going to go pay, you know, some of these Disney resorts, like the Polynesian or Contemporary, which, you know, are right next to the Magic Kingdom, go for anywhere from $600 to $1,000 a night. I'm like, if I'm dropping that much money, forget the parks. Like, I'm staying at my resort. I'm getting all the amenities. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so we're going to enjoy the amenities at this um, resort we're at. It has a beautiful pool we're excited about. And yeah, um, Peloton. We're killing it. Still going good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh, man, I, it's it's so much fun just to ride it. Becca did um, a ride tonight and uh, she crushed it in there. You, you yeah. keep going up on your Yeah, so my goal is every to like, beat my output every time. And so um, Monday I did a ride. Um 
with Jude actually strapped to me because he <laughs> it was, was great. Yeah, not having any uh, any of me putting him down, but I just really needed to get a ride in, and so um, strapped him on, and we went for a ride, and he killed it. He's like my lucky charm, and I went up <laughs> like eighteen points, which is like a big deal with that bike, and then. Rode him one tonight and then went up another 18. And so just uh, killing it. It's your total been a really... <laughs> output has been crazy. You just go yeah. up every time. So it's a really great stress reliever. Um, and one of the cool things about it um, is that, like, the coaches are really cool about, like, refocusing your mind constantly throughout the bike ride. So, you know, when you get to that point where it hurts and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, thinking in your head you can't do it. And they're, like, almost always, like, perfectly on time of saying, like, get out of your head. Like, you yeah. can do this, you know. Stuff like that, like leave the drama, leave whatever's off this bike, you know, leave it off here. And, um, and I love that. And so I just love, love getting on that bike, especially during these times. And especially since I'm still having to go to work and, you know, all of that, it's been a really good stress reliever for me. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, especially it's going to be cool once, you know, once kind of life goes back and we can start going out and stuff in public. But I just feel like, man, this bike was, we, we said it when we first got it, but such a great investment because it's like we can get a really great workout in mm-hmm. right from our home. And we mm-hmm. don't miss any time with Jude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't miss any time with each other, you know. And so um, the Peloton bike for sure, I would say, is is one of the greatest investments you can make in yourself. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Like you're investing into you, making you the best you can be. You know, every coach that, uh, at least the classes I've attended, the coach will just right out of the gate say, hey, you know, today is your best day. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you didn't ride or if you didn't work out. That doesn't count. Today is what counts. And yeah. I just love that. Like, it refocuses you. It gives you motivation. Yeah. And they, like, they, you know, again, they motivate you. And they, like, just tell you that you're blessed. Like, you're blessed to be able to ride and have this time to yourself and investing in yourself. And, you know, if you know someone who can't ride, ride for them. Like, go yeah. even harder. You know, yeah. so it's just really cool. Yeah. We, we love this, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's been it's been a blast. Um so Peloton's going great. But yeah. Becca, uh what what are we gonna be talking on tonight? So as Josh and I were thinking about a good topic um for tonight, we've kind of been racking our brains a little bit because we wanna stay, you know, we, we wanna give you guys what you wanna hear. Um and so sometimes that can be tricky. <laughs> so um You know, we really just feel like this could be a timely message. Um, But we do want to talk about leading um, from what your influence is like at this at the season that you're in now. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes if we're not necessarily in like that leader role, I think sometimes we like sit back and just like hang on or Mm. we kind of get really sad in the season that we're in and we're just like, I want to be here. I want to be this. I want to be seen. I want to be respected and followed. Um, And so you kind of get mopey instead of leading from where you're at leading in that influence that you already currently have. So that's kind of what we're going to be touching on tonight. Um, And I really hope that it's timely and something that you, you know, need to hear and encourages you at the end of it. Um, So I will. Well, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Um, Do you want to start with like scripture or? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And when we're thinking about this subject, there's a term. And if you're in church leadership, um, you know, this this term, like it's kind of a 
a quoted mantra in the church, and I and I do believe that a lot of churches, unfortunately, don't preach this enough to their staff and leadership. And it's the idea of leading from the second chair. Mm. And what that means is like, it's not always about a position. Um, you don't need a position to have influence. I think some of the greatest people in our world were never formally given yeah. a position, mm-hmm. so to say, and yet they influenced the mess out of history. Yeah, it's like it's that idea of leading without a title. Like, yeah. You don't have to have that leadership title to be a leader and to do like perform your job well or yeah. or your like in life. Yeah. In general, well. Yeah, and Jesus, you know, Jesus has so much to say about leadership um, to his disciples, specifically while he's on earth. Um, Mark 9.35, I love this scripture because it, it gives us context to, um, to, to how Jesus really considers leadership. You know, for, for his time and for his age, like leadership, you got you to gotta think of is not just um it, when he was in leadership the pharisees the sadducees all these people had positional titles so here comes on the scene this new guy called Jesus who is um you know wrecking basically wrecking the religious system and then he has these guys come up these guys were not formally trained mm-hmm. in you know any kind of law they didn't go to you know uh, traditional school for that they probably knew the torah and they knew scripture and they knew pra- you know they knew prayers and stuff like that but they weren't um like a priest or they weren't like a rabbi you know yeah, I, mean, I mean he basically Peter's a fisherman. came yeah he like basically came on the scene and just flipped everything that they knew about leadership right on his head right so mark 9:35 i'm going to read this to you this is great great scripture actually i'm going to read i'm going to start in verse 33 it says this when they came to capernaum when um, he was in the house, he asked them, what are you arguing arguing about on the way? But they were silent because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who is the greatest. <laughs> Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to him, said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. He took a child, had him stand among them, and uh, taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me uh, does not welcome, um, or whoever doesn't welcome me doesn't welcome me, and um, to him but sent me. So in this scripture, what's mind-blowing to me is that, you know, you have the disciples who, who I guess maybe have witnessed different religious leaders, people of their time, um, with positional titles, you know, especially even in the Roman government, and they're on the road. They've probably, you know, they've got essentially their their training wheels are still kind of on them. Jesus has shown them the ropes. He's performing miracles. He's teaching them, you know, about how to lead. And yet there's this argument that pops up where the disciples are like, who's greatest among us? Well, is it me? You know, I can I can already see Peter and John arguing because they both have complexes, right? Peter is the super aggressive Let's go get it. He's the guy that's jumping out of the boat naked to go see Jesus. And then you've got John who's so self-centered and always talks about himself, right? You read the book of John and and so many different times he's like, oh, the apostle whom Jesus loved. And it's like you see these guys who have all these um, essentially complex issues arguing over positional leadership. And Jesus is like, listen, um, 
whoever you think is greatest among you is not. <laughs> it's actually the last mm-hmm. um, person, the least of these. And in that time, you know, child, even in today's standards, I mean, it's not like children are ruling the world right now, right? So you think of a child, um, you know, I, I thought about this as we were preparing for this, but I was like, man, imagine me like sitting Jude down, you know, when he's older, let's just say he was eight years old and saying, all right, Jude, you're in charge of our house. You know, you're going to lead this thing. Well, as parents, we know I would kind of be dangerous. My gosh, we'd probably be eating sweets and watching, <laughs> you know, cartoons all day and all this kind of stuff. But what Jesus was trying to demonstrate is it's not about position. Rather, I think it's about the position of our heart. Mm-hmm. And it's about the way we influence people. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to show them, listen, guys, if you if you can understand this concept of like, Forget what the world teaches, because here's what the world teaches in leadership. It's a um, the world attempts to try to give us the system of you have to keep climbing over people to get to the top, and it's like, all right, well, if you don't perform a certain way, then you're going to get downgraded. If you perform super high and you, you know, um, stab people in the back. And, you know, you get to the certain level, then you might be CEO of a company. You might, you know, do all these kind of things. And not every company does that. But in the traditional marketplace, I remember when I worked at Target, I legit had my leader, my boss, because I asked him one day, I said, man, you know, what can I do to be a manager here? Um, at that point, I was still on the fence with, you know, doing ministry full time. And so I said, you know, what can I do? I'm like, I'm working really hard. I do everything you guys asked me to do. And he's like, yeah, but you don't talk like us. And I said, what do you mean you don't, I don't talk like you? He's like, the hard workers are great. And he's like, we need them because, you know, work wouldn't get done if we didn't have them. But in order to be in leadership, you have to talk a certain way and you have to kiss butt. And I said, man, like, I, to me, that just doesn't seem right. Like, I feel like a person whose heart is invested, a person who gives of themselves, gives of their time, um, puts all their energy towards something, you know, that's someone I want on my leadership team, not someone who's just saying the right things and kissing butt, you know? Um, and so I think what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand is, guys, um, wait, the way you're leading, because the disciples essentially were in the second chair. Jesus is in the first chair, meaning that Jesus is leading the way, and he still is, right? Even in today's standards, Um, We're by no means taking charge, but he was trying to say, guys, I'm giving you the authority to lead in the second chair. I'm giving you the power to be able to to lead and go forward. And so, yeah, we want to dialogue about this idea tonight because I think no matter where you are, if you're in church leadership, if you're in the marketplace or maybe even in your home, um, all of us have a certain level of influence. And I just think, honestly, we don't, maximize that influence enough. We don't talk about it enough. We we think unless we're a certain level, even in spirituality, my gosh, we, we think about this all the time. Like if I'm not a super Christian, then I'm, you know, I don't have any reason to talk. And it's like, listen, no, some of these disciples, they were young, they were immature. And yet Jesus gave them a platform. Yeah. They were jacked up. They were jacked up. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter just denied Jesus three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church mm-hmm. upon your life, Peter. And so it's like when we when we look at the lens of leadership in the, our world, this is where we just, we yet again, it's the paradigm 
of an upside down kingdom. Whatever the world teaches you, flip it. Mm-hmm. And and so if the world's saying, hey, you got to stab people in the back, you got to do all these things to get to a certain level of leadership, flip it upside down and say, no, I'm actually going to serve people. Mm-hmm. And trust me, those are the kind of people that succeed in the world. Yeah, the people that stab people in the back and you know they say the right things and they get to that uh, level of leadership, they might be there right now and they might be doing the job. But here's what I guarantee. That's not someone I would want running with me. You know, I want someone who's going to be humble. I want someone who's going to run the race um, and and lead from a place of humility, lead from a place of grace and understanding. Um, And so influence to me is a really big thing. And I do believe there's seasons of leading from from the second chair. Sometimes you're going to be in the first chair and then there's going to be another season where all of a sudden you're leading from the second chair again. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a discouraging season. I don't even think necessarily that's a season that you should be like, oh, gosh, this is so sucky. I wish I was in the the first chair. No, lead well where you're at. And um, yeah, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you on there being seasons. And that's just one of the things that, man, I just love about Jesus and how he displays leadership. On a continual basis, you know, when he comes in and um, his feet are dirty and, you know, a woman comes and she pours her most fine perfume and, <laughs> and washes, you know, his feet with her tears and hair. Um, and, you know, and and instead of demanding like the, the you know, the person who owned a home to do mm, that, yeah. um, when he comes in and he washes his disciples' feet. When he gets baptized, you know, he does all of these different things where people feel unworthy or, um, or that they don't amount to, and he just displays their worth to them every single time. And he, you know, um, man, I just love that. I just love that about him. Um, that he shouldn't have to do any of those things, but is always willing and um, and that's like the true mark of what a, a real leader is to me. Um, I know growing up, I've had positions where I've been the leader. I've had positions where I've <clears throat> been the follower. Um, but in all of those situations, I've tried to lead where I was at, um, which is a lot of, you know, this is what the conversation's about in the sense that um, to not like to not always be discouraged. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in situations where I've been passed up for yeah. the leader yep. and that totally stinks. And so instead of me just sitting in my self pity and my sorrow for, you know, being passed up, what do I, what should I do? And so I've had opportunities where I've gotten just to do what I knew to do, and that was to do my best every single day to lead and to be kind. Um, and that's a really big testament to me, I think, on a leader. Um, you know, I say this in the home all the time, but like being kind. And I feel like, and I just, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, when they're fighting or they're frustrated or whatever, you just have to be kind. <laughs> like, yeah. were you kind? No, you were not kind. Okay, you need to like refocus and be kind. I tell my son this every single, like probably every day. But I tell him, <laughs> even though he doesn't understand it yet, I don't care because, you know, I think stuff like that sticks. But, you know, I tell him, you know, if he has the choice to be right or kind, to choose kindness. And I've had bosses that were not kind. And I've had bosses that were extremely kind. Yeah. I currently work for a company that, 
are some of the kindest people I've ever known. Yeah. Um, and they show me every single day what true leadership is. Um, they're willing to sacrifice. They they care so deeply. Yeah. Um, it's it's honestly unbelievable sometimes. Like I get so proud of where I work. Um, even on the hard days, I can always remember just how kind and how good and how humble that mm. they are. Yeah. And another thing I think that sometimes we get hung up on whether we feel like we can lead or not is um as even like with our personalities i think that like you know if you do like a personality quiz or mm. you kind of are just this way and you don't need a quiz to tell you but you don't feel like you can amount to being a leader um <clears throat> i think that there are leaders in all different types of personalities um and i just think it's the it's just different on how you choose to lead but to say that, I think that what marks the best leader is a leader who's willing to flex to other people's personalities. Yeah. Um, because I can't, you know, for instance, if I'm if I'm more of that peacekeeper and I'm a timid person, um, great listener, but I'm not. If you come at me or you bark at me, yeah, like I'll just shut down as a, as a person. And you come and you're barking at me. Well, you've done nothing <laughs> in that um, in that conversation, in that fight, in that whatever to be kind and lead me. In fact, you've put up a wall now mm. and that I don't know what to follow. I'm probably just scared to follow um, instead of saying, hey, whatever it is. And so just flexing to what that person needs um, at that time shows really, really great leadership. And again, something you can totally do without the title of leader. Um, again, in my job, and this doesn't have to deal with job. You can be a leader in whatever it is, just in life in general. But specifically for my job, I am a leader, but I also have people over me who, you know, that I report to and stuff like that. And so um, always having to flex. It's like I'm a, in a, I'm a leader of leaders, which sounds hard and can sometimes be tricky. But, um, you know, like in the times that I do get frustrated or things aren't coming when I need them or whatever it may be, my reaction and my actions dictate me being the leader that I want to be. So good. And so in the times when I'm super frustrated, it might mean <laughs> for me to relax, yeah. to have someone reread my emails, um, to add an extra smiley face to my email <laughs> so it doesn't come off harsh or whatever it may be. Or just being gracious and taking a moment back and saying, okay, no problem. We'll get we'll get this taken care of or whatever it may be. It's just taking that time and that self-awareness to, to think before I react. Um, and I think that really helps mark a true leader. I don't think a true leader speaks without thinking. Um, I mean, yeah. I think obviously we all mess up and we do things we right, shouldn't right. sometimes. But again, if we are in those situations, I think a true leader goes to that person or whoever it may be and apologizes. Like that is what a true leader is because being a leader is being kind and being humble mm. and dependable and loyal. So um, and so all of that stuff make up a leader. And sometimes it's stuff that you almost feel like is a weakness, but it's so a strength when someone feels like, 
you legitimately care about them, they're so much more willing to follow you. You want, you would rather have someone follow you because they truly care for you and they love the way that you lead instead of them following you because they're fearful. Um, because I'm telling you, you'll get so much more of a return. Oh, um, man. That's if so they true. follow you because they so care true. and they love the way you lead. You know, I have days where, you know, I could get frustrated even with my leadership sometimes. But I could tell you right now, there's not a day that I would want to go by where they are not my leadership. <laughs> I love them. And I think that's also a good portion of it. I think it's healthy sometimes for there to to almost be strife in a moment. Right. And then relief. And I think that's just healthy in relationships. You know, like if I was married and Josh and I never fought, well, that doesn't really add up. Right. If we just agreed with each other all the time, all that the wouldn't time. be good. It wouldn't be good. And that's not healthy. And it probably means that one of us is pushing stuff under the rug. Like, so it's great to have um, sometimes friction. Um, it's healthy to have friction. Yeah. And then it's healthy to resolve and move on. So true. And so I think that all that all of that marks being a great leader. Yeah. Oh man, that's girl. You you preaching? <laughs> Close up shop and go home. Um, I love this quote from Pastor Bill Johnson at Bethel uh, Church in Redding, California. He says this: "A rule with the heart of a servant, serve with the heart of a king." Mm. And I think when it comes to influence, when it comes to leadership, leading from the second chair, that has to be our approach. We serve with the heart of a servant, no matter where we are. Yeah. Right. 100%. So I, I mean, marketplace doesn't change, right? You don't need to be in a church to serve like a servant. And marketplace, you're you're gonna look definitely like the odd one, out of place one when you serve others because in the marketplace, that's not the common attitude. It mm-hmm. should be. But unfortunately corporate America, corporate, you know, in the West has taught otherwise. And I think leading with the heart of a king means, hey, we're gonna lead from a place of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of a, you know, like um a guy like King David, he had plenty of faults, trust me. I mean, the man definitely uh, had some sin issues, and uh, he was broken like all of us, right? He was human. But he was extremely wise king, mm-hmm. and he loved people, and he loved God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what leadership and influence comes down to. You you can't um, say you want to be a leader and not like people. Yeah. And I and I know people like that, and it's a shame because it's like they they're striving to get this mass influence on their social media, and and I and I just kind of chuckle on the inside because I'm just like, man, like you want all this uh, fame and people to want you and accept you, but yet you're unwilling to accept or to love people. Yeah, it's like you're just using them to get a platform. And you know, I talked about this in one of the previous episodes, but I, I want to say this because I think this is key when it comes to influence and leadership. But the the seeds that you sow in this season mm-hmm. will be the seeds that turn into a harvest that you reap in the next season. Mm-hmm. So in the season I was in before I was leading from the place of ministry where I am now, you know, I was a volunteer at another church. Uh, I had a an upline. I had a you know a youth pastor who was training me. He was equipping me. And I served that youth pastor. There was times where I served really well, and I and I served with the heart, just like Bill just said, of a servant and a king. But there's plenty of other times where I unfortunately served with the heart of, when am I going to get the position? Mm-hmm. Oh, if I if I had his position, I would totally do it different. Wow. 
And I'm telling you, my first two years of leadership leading from chair number one was absolute hell because I had leaders who tried to undermine my leadership, who um, tried to oppose decisions and vision that I was trying to put in place. And I was frustrated. And it got to the point where I just had to, I had a heart to heart with myself and God and said, God, if you've called me to leadership in church ministry, why the heck is this going on? And the Lord just simply said, because you sowed seeds of rebellion <laughs> wow. and seeds against your leader. And this is the harvest that you're reaping for now. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful. And this is something I think all of us are grateful for. Even in the natural world, there's seasons, mm-hmm. right? My favorite season is fall. It's winter. Mm-hmm. The leaves change colors. Not in Florida anyway, but <laughs> in other states they do. Um, you know, the weather changes. There's flannels, bonfires, beautiful time. And in our walk spiritually, and if you're not spiritual, um, I think everything's spiritual, but even if you're not, we sow in seasons and we reap in other seasons. Yeah. And it will affect our leadership. And trust me, you don't want to be the guy who then served in chair number two, really crummy. You constantly undermined and complained about other people. And then you get to chair one and you're like, ah, finally, chair one. And then no one wants to follow you. Yeah. Because then you're going to be like, what's the point? I might as well go back to chair two. Like, I had it better anyway in chair two. I didn't have to deal with all the pressure of leadership. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, man. Like, know the count the cost. Jesus even said this. Like, before you go to build something, count the cost. Yeah. Being a leader, whether it's chair two or one, chair one definitely has more pressure. But even in chair two, you're sharing. If, if chair number one is doing its correct job, which is not just doing the entire job themselves, which I... I'm just going to be honest. I'm the first to fall victim for that because I love to be able to, to take charge and lead and make sure it gets done the right way. But to my demise, I don't always delegate out my leadership. And I've learned in the last couple of years to do that more effectively. And so in, in the proper model, you know, chair number one's delegating down to chair number two. Hey, here's some responsibility. I want you to carry some weight too. Mm-hmm. And Influence is um, is key in this because man, you could you could be in chair number one and doing all the stuff a leader does and not really influencing anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't, and, and you said it earlier. People don't want to follow a leader who's just constantly negative, yeah, and angry. Um, I know, uh, you know, in both of our jobs, we've had seasons um, where you know leading can be difficult. Um, under certain, you know, different people who are leading us. Um, because here's the reality. Everyone has a different leadership style. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you're a more dominant leader um, and you're in chair number two, you're going to look at decisions that chair number one's making and you're like, man, oh, if I could have made that decision. And here's the reality that I remind myself constantly of, that God put them in that position. Yep. I didn't put them there. You know, I didn't. And so for me to counteract and say, um, you know, it goes back to David and Saul. Um, God was like, you know, um, he encounters David and David's upset because King Saul is trying to kill him. And they get into the cave and David slices off a piece of Saul's uh, robe and he goes out and David's men are like, dude, the heck you had the king. You could have killed him and took leadership. And I love David's response. And this is this is so key to leadership. He says, 
um, you know, like how how dare I um, touch the Lord's anointed? Mm. And I, and I look at that because even in, in corporate America and corporate leadership, it's the same thing. How dare we undermine the person who's in leadership? Listen, if their leadership sucks, eventually it's going to get exposed. Yeah. Because guess what? Eventually no one's going to want to follow them. The results won't be coming in. And then whoever is their upline will be like, dude, you're not performing the way you need to. So here's the deal. Let it take care of itself. In the meantime, serve the best because I guarantee – even though that season sucks, you're going to be in a position when you get into chair one or whatever you want to call that place of leadership where the seeds that you sown were so good that the harvest is going to be abundant yeah, and it's going to be life-giving. And the people that saw you lead humble, that saw you leave with the, with the heart of a king, they're going to be the people that want to follow you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would just say sort of as we end this thing that um, some really – good takeaways I think where you can go from here is if you find yourself being that person that follower even that leader that's undermining or struggling or in that season of possible rebellion or whatever it might be where you're not fully committed in honoring there's grace yeah and that's the really cool thing that's so good is you can correct yourself with the father and with harvesting, you can pull those weeds up, <laughs> yeah. start pulling up those bad things that we don't want in there, start weeding, start digging that stuff out, start dealing with it, start healing from it. That way, that harvest that you will one day reap will be plentiful because you went ahead and you stopped that negative that negativity. You stopped allowing something to um to get in and dig up, dig up your harvest and, and ruin it and spoil it. And so, um, it's really cool that we have a God who is so gracious, um, who, who wants the best for us and gives us opportunities, um, to shift our heart. And so I would take that (laughs) and, um, start implementing it. I know even in my life, um, as much as I try to be that, there are times that I'm that negative person that I am, um, that I'm cursing the anointed. Um, and so, um, yeah. So this is a good message for us too. Yeah. To be implementing in our life. This is a, daily. a timely message. I think in every, I mean, this is not just, um, you know, and I think we've said this before, but a lot of these subjects that we talk on, we're still young, yeah. right? So we're still growing. We're still leading. We happen to have some leadership and influence under our seat. So we're able to talk on this subject, but this is going to be something that even, um, you know, uh, us as pastors, we continue to go on and um, learn and grow in this because, yeah. listen, great leaders continue to learn and grow. Yep. Um, you know, even for the pastor who is a lead pastor, guess what? They're still learning and growing. This and is if something. Not, oh Lord, Jesus, don't <laughs> be in their leadership. Um, this is something I, I want you to ask yourself: um, Who is the person that's influenced you, and that you would say, "Man, they're just a great leader." Like they're they're just what if you think they're killing the game, and here's what I want to challenge you with: maybe go to that person, you know, if they live out of state, maybe text them, call them, whatever, and just start picking their brain when it comes to leadership and influence, and ask them the, t- the difficult questions. Great leaders ask questions, period. And um, I think great leaders define um, the why. Great leaders define the how, and and so. Go to that person and ask them those challenging questions. Like, how did they get to this spot in leadership? How do they lead this way? 
Uh, I think all of us have a preferred style of leadership, and that's cool. Um, but definitely go to even people who maybe aren't your preferred style to learn the different varieties of leadership. Um, I, there's so many pastors besides the ones that are on staff, you know, at, at the church I serve at, and they're incredible. And man, I, I glean so much from Pastor Ken and Pastor Chris and Paula. Like they're, in my opinion, all-star leaders. But I have even pastors outside of, you know, this city um, who influence me, who pour into my life. And and I'm constantly asking questions of how do I grow my leadership? How do I have better influence? And so I would encourage you to do the same. I want to leave you with the scripture, Hebrews 12, foundational scripture to me for our faith. It says this, verse one, therefore, since we are um, also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God on the, on the throne of God. And I want to leave you with this idea that life and leadership are a race in regards to, listen, there's going to be times where you finish in first place. There's going to be times where you finish in second. There's even going to be times where you finish in 10th. And if we get in the mindset of, oh, I have to be in first place every single time, we're going to fail at leadership. It's not always about being in first. It's about the race and about um, and about the joys and the endurance part of the race. Um, I think we're learning this with Peloton yeah. and the leaderboards. Like, trust me, I would love to be in the top 10, but guess what? I'm in the top <laughs> thousands <laughs> right now. And I'm not despising it. I'm not giving up. I'm just saying, you know what? I'm going to make myself better. And guess what? I believe there is one day I'm going to hit those those top 10 leader boards. But for now, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep doing my part. And so I would encourage you, wherever you're at in your leadership, continue to work hard, continue to grow. And most importantly, um, don't take your eyes off Jesus. If he is leading you, you can't fail because he leads the way. He gives us the discernment necessary when to speak and when not to speak. And this is another key. Um, and we're going to end here in leadership. There are seasons where you're asked to speak and seasons when you're not. And trust me, don't be the leader who constantly speaks up above or even over the leadership in charge. Sometimes just be quiet and allow God to refine your heart in those seasons and, and just listen and observe and say, hey, guess what? When I hit seat number one, I'm going to do this differently. But until then, I'm going to serve seat one really well. I'm going to serve yet again the heart of a servant um, and with the heart of a king. And I think that is key. And so, guys, thank you so much um, for joining yeah, us tonight. You know, um, this has been so much fun for us. Um, we're really excited. You know, our podcast is crazy. The other day I went on, we were over um, 200, I was like 250 downloads in one day. Wow. Blew my mind. So this podcast, um, it, it wouldn't be the same without your support. And so thank you so much for all the ones who are subscribers. You've left, uh, left us ratings and comments. We so, so appreciate that. Make sure you share this podcast with friends. Talk it up on social media. And uh, we can't wait to see you guys again next week around the table. We love you guys. This has been Coffee and Combos. We'll see you next Friday. See you.